You're listening to the Premier Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Filter Free Podcast. I am your host, TJ Stevens. Well, problematic. Out of my left earbud. Getting off to a banging start here. Joining me as always. Step ends. Dollar Bill Dave. I touch myself. I, I just need to clip that. Just Dave. <laughs> I touched myself. And Timmy C. Hey, goo, goo, goo. Dave is awesome, and he got a new hat, and it's hilarious. <laughs> Are you drunk, yes or no? And it's marked on the right-hand side for both. Time moment drawers get my panties wet. I love it. We've covered this butt wipe on a few different occasions. Butt wipe? You don't call people butt wipe anymore? No. I'm not, I'm not seven. Good news is I've limited the producer's amount to screw us over this, so we're actually going to get to sing along with the songs now. You are welcome. You gotta play for your right to party. Hello and welcome to the Filter Free Podcast. I am your host, TJ Stevens. Step ins. Joining me, as always, Dollar Timmy Day? C. Oh. Timmy, Timmy C. Just Timmy C. Just Timmy Have C. Have you noticed since this some bitch has moved to Al- Abilama that he's here less and less? Mm. What is going on? He's in the mountains now. He's posting pictures. Got time to go to the pool. I didn't even know Alabama had mountains. I didn't know they had pools. I thought they just had cesspools and trailer parks. Well, 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 luckily because of Dave, we went to some pretty nice areas in Huntsville, so we know that we know there's some down there. The rest of the state, we? the rest of the state is is up in the air. But I saw I saw a cow is roadkill in one of the places he took us. Well, that's because you went down one of the poor roads. <laughs> we didn't see it. They have RR. It's not railroad crossing. It's rich roads and PR, poor yeah. roads. Yes, that's correct. Um, so, yeah, Dave's not here. Dave is currently in the middle of uh, two things, sunbathing in Alabama and yeah. moving. Supposedly. So we got we got Definitely allegedly. Definitely allegedly. So it's just uh, me and Tim. This is the second time in a month. Yeah, the show's going to be good. Yeah, finally. Lord. No movies this week. Please remember to subscribe and rate this show uh, wherever you get your podcast. I almost did that, and I knew, but I knew Dave would stab me in the face if I would have, so I I didn't. I thought about it too. (laughs) While you're at it, crack open a cold one. There we go. Follow the show on Twitter at FF Popcast on Instagram at Filter Free Popcast. Follow our Patreon on Twitter at Filter Free Net. And of course, you can go to our Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash filter free. Timmy, what's on the agenda on the Patreon? What will they get for their money? Their All right, so, so the first thing I want to do is apologize because we've been kind of lacking on the Patreon lately um, with our move to premiere. And that's my with, fault, by the way. With Dave moving, it, it's just been it's it's been tough, but. Dave and I have footballers get paid with Tim and Dave on the calendar this week. 
So it'll be as this drops on Tuesday, you will get it, I believe, on Friday, possibly Saturday. But I think we're going to do it live because I, I feel bad for our patrons. And we'll do yeah, it live. Exactly. I feel bad we haven't been putting enough out. Um, we I have been sending the audio files over. Someone, <clears throat> Stephens, has not been sending the videos over. That's but me. I believe they're being sent. It's yes. him. We're working Hi. It's the problem. Never mind. But you will also get Legends. Let's rethink this when we get a guest, which should be soon. I believe we're in the works on a couple. Evolution of Evil. Wrestling with commercials, which I believe we should cut another episode of that real soon. We should. And our 2023 list of events that we'll be attending. Uh, StarCast upcoming this week. This drops Tuesday. StarCast is the weekend. You should also. While you're doing all this fun stuff for us, you should go at watch on premiere on Twitter. Go ahead and subscribe to the premiere wrestling network as well as uh, I'm sorry, premiere streaming network and premiere, there's a lot of wrestling on it though. So there, there's a ton of wrestling. You will get that premiere podcast network and you will get shows such as everyone's got a pod with Tendi Biasi, one of a kind with Rob Van Dam offer chops with Jesse McKay and Cassie Lee chop sports fight factory, a lot of chopping going on here in premiere and i think it's everybody has a pod not everyone did i say everyone yeah i meant everybody's everybody's everybody has a price or pod for the movie fb with uh mike Kyoto and efren uh more on uh efren here in a minute talking with friends so says shernoff say that three times fast on the ropes that that was extreme with the blue meanie josh shernoff and joel gertner Shop Sports Social, Squeaky Bum Time, the Jersey Boys Podcast, Undisputed Podcast with Bobby Fish, Pro Football News, Diamond Marks Dude Cast, the Major Wrestling Figures Podcast, the News, Howls of Wrestling, Sabu Speaks, the Spotlight Series, and of course, our main man, the man of the hour. Big Too sweet star. to be sour? Yes, the, a big star coming up here at Starcast. The game event with Efren, which he will be doing. Hosting. Yes. AEW stars. With AEW stars. Look at this guy. He's he's growing up right in front of our very eyes. I mean, I started as a driver for MJF, and now he's hosting a game show. Look at how Saved by the Pod's grown. What's that other guy doing? Does he do anything anymore? Um, I mean, I think he hosts some Zoom calls once in a while. What a loser. Mm. Love you, Polly. We love, we love you, Polly. Um, Polly Bromwell, for those of you who don't know the inside joke. Who? Um, but yeah, I mean, we're gonna be doing we'll we'll all be at Starcast. Actually, all of us are working it, which which should be fun. Not not in like oh so, some of it some of us are gonna be working harder than others. Well, I mean, that just Bromwell depends on the jobs I get hosting things and me and you'll you, be running around. All of us, all of us sweating. Me and you'll be running around. Get much chickens. I had to shut off. Um, before we do start this show, not to. Um, You're going to do this, aren't you? Yeah, there's not really a good place to do this. But a- as you all know, this past week, we lost Terry Funk and Bray Wyatt. And um, has not been a good week uh, for the world of wrestling and um and then Bob Barker today. And Bob Barker. And again, there's not there's not really I mean, Bray at least with 
with Bob, not to say this makes it better, but Bob was a 100. Well, he's 99, but yeah, I mean, yeah. you kind of expect that, I guess, at that point. And, and, and actually, I just had this talk with somebody, with Terry Funk, my wife's grandfather just passed away at 90. And, you know, when they when they reach that age and you have the health effects like Funk has had. Well, and right, you can to be fair, to... Funk put his body oh, through yeah. hell. In for his a 50s. good decade, yeah, a good decade, yeah. It, but you, when it, when you can kind of callous yourself to kind of soften the blow a little bit, can you kind of see it coming? Bray Wyatt, that 36, 36, and I, it's just horribly sad. So, uh, rest in peace to all three, uh, wonderful people and uh, thoughts and prayers Legends, from us, all of them, yes, Legends. uh, with their, with their. The family they left behind. But now we're going to start this show. We're going to do, I, I, I believe, actually, I don't believe I know. This is the first AEW show we've ever covered. Well, to be show. fair, it's the most recent show we've covered. And by five years, there, there was no <laughs> way we were going to do an AEW show without it being the most recent show we'd covered. Yes. They ain't so, been around that long. Um, and so, you know how we love AEW, so it's ought to be fun. A lot of it we do, but we're going to have some thoughts, too, on this show. Because this week, we're going back to August 31st, 2019. And we're going to watch AEW All Out from the Now Arena. However, before we get to that show, let's see what was happening in your world yesterday. Let's run through some events. Filter free up, for, up first. This was literally almost yesterday. Or is it Mr. Cut? August 2nd, Saudi Arabia announced the rules for women that include allowing them to travel by themselves without a male guardian's permission. Very progressive of them to have that. I cannot believe we're covering August of 2019 and that is an actual sentence. That would be like August of 1919, perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> August 2nd, Ed Sheeran and his Divide Tour becomes the highest grossing tour of all time, passing... Uh, I don't know what U.S. is. After Sheeran spends 800 I believe it was U2. U2. You're right, it was. Good call. After passing U2, after Ed Sheeran spends 893 days on the road. That's a long a lot, tour. A lot of wet panties leaving that show. How, how do you have a two and a half U tour? He's a ginger, that's how. Oh, that's true. August 6th, Barneys of New York files for bankruptcy after closing 7,567 stores in 2019. I love you. Ron Barney. You, what? Much more expensive Barney, as they would say in Big Daddy. Okay. August 10th, 71 people die while trying to siphon gas from an overturned tanker truck, which eventually exploded in the country of Tanzania. Idiots. I, what? All right, stop. Hey, tanker turned over. Let's siphon the gas. What? I get if it's like a beer truck and cans of beer are laying everywhere. Well, here's bro, my question. Bro, this shit's flammable. But if, if you're in a position in life that you, you have to siphon gasoline out of an overturned tanker truck, the hell with the driver. I mean, it's not like their cars are parked next to it. Where are they putting it? <laughs> oh, that's probably how it caught on fire and exploded. <laughs> that's, what are you putting I, it in? This mason jar? I have so many questions. August 10th, Jeffrey Epstein is found dead inside his jail cell in New York City. Couldn't have happened to a nicer guy. Just like, oh yeah. I was 
it still tickles me like how much of a just a that he's dead me too no 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 just oh. like the reaction after that happened yeah like oh he's dead cool august 11th miley cyrus and liam hemsworth divorce after eight months of marriage she could buy herself flowers oh i'll buy her some flowers too august 12th i have more than mm. i'll take her out for a lovely seafood dinner but i, I will call her again august 12th the Baltimore Orioles give up seven home runs and a double header against the Yankees as the Yanks extend their record for team homers with 248 and counting. More on that later. Keep that in the back of your head. To be fair, that's seven home runs, two games. It's three and four, four and three, something like that. It's still a lot. Yeah. August 16th, Peter Fonda passed away at age 79. Cool. <laughs> Great. August 18th. <laughs> Uh, the Rock marries a Lauren Hashian in Hawaii. Is that the one he's with now? The I believe the XFL. I believe so. Yeah, she's strong. Okay, lived through the season of the XFL with him. Mm. I think we're all stronger because of it. August twenty second, Bobby Dylan, NFL defensive back, who was the second player to record fifty interceptions, dies of dementia at age eighty nine. That's not a good one. No. August 25th, the owner of the Tampa Bay Rays, Vince Namoli, dies from progressive supranuclear palsy at age 81. Greatly saddened. Florida State Seminoles legend, WCW world champion, Ron mm -hmm. Simmons, when that happened. Yeah, wrong. August 26th, Johnson & Johnson ordered to pay the state of Oklahoma $572 million in their first trial against the company for the manufacturing of opioids. Johnson, huh? Johnson. I got it. I got it wrong, but is that the uh if you wore baby powder and like died of melanoma or something? No, that was a different I one. See? Oh. That one, I believe the Johnson and Johnson baby powder one came out of Pennsylvania. Was that Dwayne and Randy Johnson? It could be Randy and Reed. Chicago Cubs legend, Reed Johnson. Chad Johnson. That was Ocho Cinco now. Lance Johnson. Johnson and Oco, Ocho Cinco. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. August 28th, Johannes Hale Selassie discovers a 3.8 million year old skull in Ethiopia. Of a dinosaur? No, I think it's a person. Well, all right. I take it back. Bob Barker wasn't that old. <laughs> Well played, sir. Well played indeed. August 31st, a U.S. missile attack that hits an Al-Qaeda jihadist training camp in Syria kills 40. Good for us. And that was stories that missed the cut. Stories in the wheelhouse. August 13th, the NFL world mourns the loss of one of the great receivers and one, on one of the most dubious teams of all time is Cliff Branch, a receiver for the Oakland Raiders from 1972 to 1986, passes away at age 71. Lots of cocaine. Whoo, boy. Not for him necessarily, but on that team, lots of cocaine. The bad boy Raiders of the 70s. I mean, Ken Sabres pretty much admitted that he was. There are it, pictures of him drinking in the locker room at halftime. To use a, a wrestling term, a term here, um, if it was today, he would be sent home because he'd be unable to perform or no condition to perform. Yes. Every game they had. Every game. 
Branch is another interesting case study about what a player could be from NFL's past in today's league, which is much more pass friendly, especially on a team with the 70s and 80s Raiders, where Branch and Fred Bolitnikoff, a duo that doesn't get nearly enough love, were catching passes from Daryl LaMonica, Ken Stabler, and even Jim Plunkett. The speedster from the University of Colorado came into the league, drafted in the fourth round at number 98. While I, uh, I should also mention that was 1972 he was drafted. While at Colorado, he also excelled at track, setting the NCAA record for the 100-meter time at 10 seconds flat in the 1972 NCAA championships before signing with the Raiders just two weeks later. The year previous, he posted a 20-and-a-half-second time in the 200-meter dash as well. Branch would have a four-year peak that resulted in four Pro Bowls, three All-Pro selections, and the 1976 season resulting in a career-high 1,111 yards to go with 12 touchdowns on 46 catches. By the way, that was in the 70s. He cut 1,100 yards on 46 catches. Yes. That math. That's when a you, lot. When you were still allowed to just rip people's heads off. Well, and he averaged, uh, let's see, 46. Well over 20 yards a catch at that point. Oh, yeah. That's the, uh, Branch, a lot. Branch only went, ran one route. Go route. Go. Go. Yep. That year, the Raiders won their first championship. On October 2nd, 1983, Branch caught, here we go with the go route, the longest pass by a Raider as he caught a 99-yard pass from Jim Plunkett in the second quarter versus the Washington Redskins. I don't know what's so big about that. Last year, a Bengals defensive end ran a 99-yard fumble recovery. I don't, I don't, who cares? And the Raiders love to beat up on Washington in the early 80s. Everyone loved to beat up on Washington. Well, the two of the Super Bowl wins were against Washington. I mean, to be fair, Launch Taylor broke their quarterback's leg. That's how much nope. they like to beat up on him. Those are the Giants. As anybody. Okay. I said everybody <laughs> liked to beat up on him. I said. This is what I said. Branch also played for the Los Angeles Cobras of the Arena Football League My in favorite. 1988. By the way. That was four years after he retired from the NFL. Their Two. only season of existence. Two years. No, 84. He retired in 86. Or whatever. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> he was a nominee to the Pro Football Hall of Fame and was a semifinalist in 2004, 2010, and in 2011. And... In 2011, the Professional Football Researchers Association named Branch to the PFRA Hall of Very Good Class. And what? I don't even know what any of that means. The fact that this Professional Football Researchers Association has something called the Hall of Very Good means they can eat the entire bag of shit. TJ, I'm going to need you to pull a voice out for me when they're not trying to nominate him, please. <laughs> Well, you see, Cliff Branch, he averaged 28 yards per catch in 1976, 1,100 yards and 46 catches. What a bunch of clowns. A Hall of Very Good. A Hall of Very Good class. Not not even just very good. A Hall of Very Good class. Well, this, so this is what I was trying to say. Or D, I think Cliff Branch now, if he was playing now, would be roasting people. 
We'll see. I don't know. Bodies have changed so much. I mean, I think football is a very difficult sport to legislate sure. all of any of that. Oh, that and stickum's not illegal anymore. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of like baseball changed to where the shift eliminated the Tony Gwynn. Tony Gwynn would be horrible in today's game. I don't think so. Well, he wouldn't be horrible, but he would. He's not going to be a three forty hitter. I think he would be. I don't know because Tony Gwynn just he would always hit him where he, where they ain't. Well, Tony Gwynn also wasn't facing relievers coming out throwing one hundred and two miles well, an hour. That is a valid point. <laughs> On August twenty fourth, twenty twenty one, Branch was posthumously selected as the seniors finalist for the Pro Football Hall of Fame class of twenty twenty two. And on February 10th, 2022, he was selected for enshrinement in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, where he belongs. Yes. Again, the fact that he was doing the things he was doing in the 70s and the 80s, playing for the Raiders, where you were going to get in a fight at some point. And, you know, playing the Steelers every year and the male blunt in that deal. Like, it's crazy what he did. And again, Daryl LaMonica, Ken Stabler... And, uh, you know, Jim Plunkett, very decent quarterbacks. I don't think any of the three are in the Hall of Fame. So it's not like he was, it's not like he was get, catching passes from John Montana and Steve Young. Pretty sure Stabler and Plunkett are both in the Hall of Fame. I don't think either of them are. Pretty sure they are. Because, right, well, well, I know Plunkett's in, or no, I know Stabler's in because his, the, the big thing in Cincinnati is Ken Anderson not being in. And Anderson has better numbers than, Stabler. You know what Stabler does have? Super Bowl ring. Mm -hmm. You know what? So does Trent Green. And Trent Dilfer. Yeah. Lots of Trents with Super Bowl. And Brad Johnson. But I'm going to look this up while we uh, get ready for box score trivia. But today, I'm the greatest of all time. With three. Once he's going to run the ball, makes a guy miss. Comes down to hit. Over the second rafter, off the floor, nothing. Through the window, off the wall, nothing but net. You like that? You like that? I like that. You gotta like that, right? For clarification's sake, Jim, uh, I'm sorry, Ken Stabler went in the Hall of Fame in 2016. Jim Plunkett is in the College Football Hall of Fame. Terrible. He's not in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So, here we go. 2019 NFL leaders. And since it was so recent and we are in the time of fantasy football and you do a show called Footballers, I'm going to make you give me seven here as we start the game with passing yardage for 2019. Oh, 2019 passing yardage. Let's go with uh, Tom Brady. Tom Brady, seventh, 4,057. Uh, Kyler Murray in the league yet? Who? Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray, no. Roethlisberger. Ben Roethlisberger, no. <laughs> I'm killing it. You're crushing. Dan Marino. He, uh, yes, actually, yeah, he's number nine. 
Uh, Herbert wasn't there yet. No. Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes, 10th, 4,031. There's two. Uh, let's see. See, we're right at the cusp here. See, if you had caught me 21. Um, Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson. No. Good, because he's shitbag. I would say he was too busy doing things off the field. To, to, uh, yeah. Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan, fifth. 4,466. Still the Atlanta Falcons here. There's three. Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton, no. No, oh, that's terrible. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo. There's a fly in front of my face. Jimmy Garoppolo, no. Drew Brees. Drew Brees. No. Philip Rivers. Philip Rivers, fourth. 4,615. There's four. Um... Uh, Aaron Rodgers. Duh. Aaron Rodgers. No. What? Yeah. <laughs> um, team was the year he got hurt, like the last few games. What's my fantasy quarterback's name again? You like that? Kirk Cousins. Yeah, Kirk Cousins. No. Matt Ryan. The only reason you just said that, but the only reason why I gave you Kirk Cousins because he wasn't on the list. <laughs> um. Jesus. Three more. Eli Manning. Was he still? No. Around? Do you want? Teams. Yeah, give me teams. Philadelphia. Oakland. Oh, Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz, ninth, 4,039. There's five. Oakland. Um, uh, the hell's that guy's name? He's terrible. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's not good. He's not good. And now he's in New Orleans. Yeah. Keep going. Uh, Seattle. Oh, Russ, Russell Westbrook, or not Russell Westbrook, Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson, number six, 4,110. One more to go. We got the Rams, the Cowboys, and your Tampa Bay Buccaneers has a leader. Has the leader. And that ain't Brady. Dak is one of them. Jack Prescott, number two. It's Dak, not Jack. I I know. Sorry. Shut up. 4,902. Here's the... Oh, who was the Florida State guy? Here's the three you missed. At number eight of the Oakland Raiders, Derek Carr. Yeah, fuck him. 4,054. Number three of the LA Rams, Jared Goff. 4,638. He's good in Detroit now. He is. And your league leader of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I believe this was the year he he hit the 30-30 club. Florida State Seminole legend. Touchdowns and interceptions, Jameis Winston. 5,109. Who's he backing up now? Who cares? Let's go up to rushing touchdowns. Rushing touchdown leaders. I think I think you could get five. There's a couple surprises on here. Zeke. Ezekiel Elliott tied for fifth with 12. Alvin Kamara. Alvin Kamara. No. Ooh, weird. Um... I don't think Joe Mixon had it. Nope. Um, I'm proud of you. That was the first time. Oh, no, you said you did say Andy Dalton. So you've Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt. Before we knew he was a giant shit back. No. Uh, wow, this is tougher. Um, Saquon Barkley? Was Saquon Barkley, no. Dalvin Cook? 
Dalvin Cook, fourth of the Minnesota oh. Vikings, 13. There's two. Let's see if you can get two more. Uh, oh, what's the guy? He He's in San Francisco now, played in Carolina. Um, mm-hmm. White guy. Mm-hmm. The white guy. Yep. That's his name. The white guy. No. Chris something. Mm-hmm. Chris Spillman. Chris Chin. Christian McCaffrey. There you go. Third with 15 of the Carolina Panthers. See, you got one more in you. Um, I can't believe Kamara wasn't on there. Uh, ben Jarvis Ellis Green. No. Amon Green. No. Amon Green. AJ Green. No. Mr. Green in Mr. the library Green. with the candlestick. <laughs> that was Carl. Uh, give me teams. Indianapolis, the Chargers. This guy played for two. I don't know what two teams they were. Cleveland, Buffalo, Baltimore, the Rams, Green Bay, and Tennessee. Oh, Tennessee. Um, Tennessee River. Oh, my, my. Uh, Derrick Henry, number one, tied for the league lead with 16. Here's the rest of your top 10. All tied for ninth. Marlon Mack of the Indianapolis Colts. I don't know who that is. I don't either. And I'm from the state. Melvin Gordon, Kenyon Drake, and Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb was the one I was trying to think of. Eighth from the Buffalo Bills, Josh Allen with nine. Seventh. Yep. He's a quarterback. He sure is. Seventh what? from the Baltimore Ravens. I almost said Orioles. Mark Ingram with 10. Tied with Ezekiel Elliott for fifth. Todd Gurley. And then tied for first with Derrick Henry of the Green Bay Packers. Aaron Jones with 16. Oh, I'm going to finish how I always like to finish. We're going to do some defense here. We're going to do sacks. Sack leaders. Let's see if you can get. Yeah, let's see if you can do four. 19 sack leaders. Um, Ironically enough, the two leaders have 19 and 19 and a half. That's a lot. Yes. Uh, TJ Watt. TJ Watt tied for fourth. I almost said with the guy he was tied with. That would be stupid. 14 JJ Watt. JJ Watt, no. Um, What's the guy from the Rams? Uh, mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. There's, there's two of them from the Rams. Ruined, ruined my Super Bowl. There's two of them from the Rams on here. Two from the Rams? Mm-hmm. Uh, and actually, there's one who plays for the Rams now, I'm pretty sure. there's. So I think technically there's three. Only two played for the Rams at the time. Uh, who's the guy that got traded to the Bills? Um, see, I'm horrible with names. The guy Denver with the Broncos legend. Yes, the guy with the glasses. Von, Von Miller. Miller. No. <laughs> uh... Dallas, two from the Rams, another Pittsburgh Steeler, a Charger, two Packers, a Ram, a Viking, a Saint, a Cardinal, and a Buccaneer. Can you tell I don't pay attention to defense that much? This is Uh, what I'd be crushing. I I pay more attention to defense than do offense. 
Well, yeah, it's because your teams usually don't have offense. Yeah, that's how I've been trained. <sighs> Julius Peppers, was he? No, too late. Um, and Von Miller wasn't there. Nope. Who Jun- is that Junior, asshole, yes. asshole for the Rams? I can see his face, but I don't know his name. And Damakin Sue? No. Okay, good, because he's not on here anyway. I don't know. Give him to me. Here we go. All tied for ninth with 11 and a half. Joey Bosa of the LA Chargers. Should have thought of that. Bud Dupree. Dante Fowler of the Rams. I don't know him. And Chicago Bears legend Robert Quinn, who was then of the Dallas Cowboys. I don't know him. Eighth, Preston Smith of the Green Bay Packers. I don't know him. Seventh of the LA Rams, Aaron Donald. Twelve. And I a half. do know him. That's who I was thinking. Yes. Sixth of the Green Bay Packers, Darius Smith with 13 and a half. Mm-hmm. Tied for fourth with TJ Watt, Minnesota Vikings defensive end, Daniil Hunter with 14 and a half. Third of the New Orleans Saints, Cameron Jordan with 15 and a half. Second of the Arizona Cardinals with 19 is Chandler Jones. And the league leader with 19 and a half from Tampa Bay, Shaquille Barrett. Shaq Barrett. Shaq Barrett. And that has been box score trivia. We're going to clear out what? Aaron Donald was literally the only guy on that list that I knew other than Shaq Barrett. And I only knew Shaq Barrett because he tried to become a bingo and failed. So, Okay. We're going to move from the gridiron to the entertainment field. On August 13th, we have a merger here, a $28 billion merger for that, right, to be specific, as CBS and Viacom, Viacom, Viacom merged together. It's been quite a while since we've covered a business merger here on the show. So let's put on our economist hat and see what we have here. What are you looking at me like that for? It's been quite a while, like um, since forever. Yes, thank you. I don't even remember the last one we did. We didn't. We've never done one. We've done a merger. Not of business. I don't remember what it was, though. It was another TV deal. I can't remember who it was. Um, Initial discussions of the merger began in earnest on September 29th, 2016, when Viacom and CBS were encouraged to merge after a letter was sent by National Amusements, which is a privately owned movie theater group and mass media holding company out of Massachusetts. Though the initial talks ended rather quickly, less than three months later, the ember that would turn into the merger was created. The two media giants came back together to the negotiating table on January 12, 2018. These talks were instigated after the merger plan of AT&T Time Warner and the acquisition of 21st Century Fox by Disney occurred. CBS and Viacom also had Amazon Video and Netflix breathing down their necks. We'll come back to that Disney 21st Century Fox thing here in just a second. Let's talk about the man that wasn't there when the merger occurred, but was definitely the most interesting player here. When I saw this name pop up, I knew that's that's who you were going to cover on this story. Les Moonvis was the chairman and CEO of CBS Corporation from 2003 until the resignation in September of 2018, which was pretty close to that merger. Following numerous allegations of sexual harassment, sexual assault, and abuse. Obviously, dickhead. Mm. 
In September 2018, following allegations of sexual assault, it was reported that CBS, because they're a good God-fearing company, sure. was negotiating a $100 million exit package for Moonvis. And that CBS Chief Operating Officer Joe Ionello would serve as the interim replacement. I This is why I love the business world. It's the only place. You could be a complete jerk-off. And they're and like, we're still going to pay you. We have to let you go, but uh, we don't want you to starve. So here's $100 million out the door. Exactly. This is... The, <laughs> This what I'm gonna read next is part of the agreement, which made me chuckle. Moonvis and CBS will donate twenty million dollars to the Me Too movement out of the hundred million dollar exit package. Money that will be deducted from any severance benefits Moonvis may be owed the hundred million dollars. The company said. So he got he got he got Me Too taxed on the way out the door. Exactly. In May 2021, Moonvis dropped his claim because apparently he wasn't happy with the hundred million. He wanted 120 million in May, so he could keep his hundred million and pay the 20 million to me too. <laughs> You're an asshat, douche, douche. Which reverted to Viacom CBS as the result of the merger, and the law firm Covington and Burling paid an undisclosed settlement fee to Moonvis. Wow. They they paid him that money. God dang it. That's terrible. Following his firing from CBS, by the way, this gets better. Oh, good. Due to sexual harassment, Moonvis was revealed to have been obsessed with ruining R&B singer Janet Jackson's career. Would you like to know why? It's a really weird thing to be obsessed about. Well, he was at CBS when Nipplegate went down. According to the documentary Malfunction, the dressing down of Janet Jackson, Moonvis wanted an apology from both Jackson and Justin Timberlake after Nipplegate, but he deemed Jackson's apology as insufficient and implemented a blacklist of all of her music and music videos on MTV, VH1, and Infinity Broadcasting radio stations, all of which were owned by the original incarnation of Viacom at the time. Bro. What is wrong with you? A lot. Like that no, dude, that dude is a great story. We could do hours on him. I mean, it's really bizarre that he's sexually harassed so many women when he it's clear he hated nipples. Well, to be fair, it wasn't actually her nipple. She had a pasty. Well, I, I no, I get that. But by the way, during the cor- course of this story, I learned that that was the most reviewed moment in television history. On TiVo. Of course it was. I wanted to see her booby. I had TiVo. But I wasn't at my house watching the Super Bowl. Damn it! Oh, boo. Let's see. that. What uh, what sh- was that? Um, it was Chicago versus Indianapolis. That was Chicago. No, that was Prince. Was it? No. Yes. That was Miami in the rain. He played per- uh, Purple Rain in the rain. Well, that's fitting. I think it. I think that one was Tampa and Oakland. Where was I? I was somewhere watching it, and I was like, I completely missed recording that because I had a TiVo. Don't worry, because I was high class back then. That TiVo was. Oh, you were high falutin if you yeah. had TiVo. 
Uh, don't worry, when this video comes out, I will have on the bottom of the screen exactly what Super Bowl it was in. So just watch the video and you'll see what Super Bowl it was in. August 15th, and then you can go on your TiVo and rewatch it. Let's stay in the entertainment world as Disney Studios becomes the first studio, studio to have five, five, one, two, three, five four, times. five films earn a billion dollars each in one year in the forms of Toy Story 4, Avengers Endgame, Captain Marvel, Aladdin, and The Lion King. Now, the other two, Lion King was the live action one and Aladdin was just a re-release, but it still did a billion on re-release. As we mentioned in the previous story, Disney had acquired 21st Century Fox on March 20th, 2019 for a staggering $71.3 billion with a B dollars That's from, it. from Rupert Murdoch. Through this acquisition, Disney had acquired 20th Century Fox, both film and television. Uh, those are two different entities, by the way. Fox Searchlight Pictures, National Geographic, Fox Networks Group, Star India, Hot Star Streaming, which sounds like something you go through after eating too many ghost pepper wings. <laughs> a 30% stake in Hulu, which now bought them to 60% ownership. In fact, they got everything under the Fox umbrella except the Fox Corporation, and that was only due to antitrust laws. All right, let's talk about these movies. Two of these movies were Timmy's faves. I am a huge fan of the MCU, and it is staggering what Marvel has done for Disney. Mm. Even mm -hmm. though Marvel technically wasn't part of this, but kind of 20th Century Fox it was. So it's it's weird how Marvel Studios and Marvel Entertainment works. Um, but since 2008, Marvel Studios has released 32 films within the MCU from Iron Man in 2008 to the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 this year. Nine television series since 2021 from WandaVision in 2021 to Secret Evasion this year. Pull your panties up for this one. Mm. The Avengers, Iron Man 3. How'd you know they were down? Avengers Age of Ultron, Captain America Civil War, Black Panther, Avengers Infinity War, Captain Marvel, Avengers Endgame, Spider-Man Far From Home, and Spider-Man No Way Home. That's 10. Count them 10. 10. Are all among the 50 highest grossing films of all time. With Avengers Endgame becoming the highest grossing film of all time from July 2019 to March 2021. Wait, 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 That's wait. 20% of the top 50 films ever that's there's there's some very important context here because you, you, you do you know what beat avengers ed game in march of 21 they re-released avatar in china stupid and that got them over and they they ended up passing uh they end up passing <laughs> avengers because they re-released avatar in china stupid because they but, know they knew no one here wanted to watch it. That's 20% of the top 50 films of all time are Marvel films. That's a lot. Mm. So let's go back to the origins. On December 31st, 2009, not 2019, the Walt Disney Co Company purchased Marvel Entertainment 
for four billion with a B. It's pretty good. Marvel Entertainment is worth fifty-three billion with a B as of twenty twenty-one, according to Forbes. That's pretty good return on investment. I don't know. I it almost seems like it should be higher than that with all the merchandising they do. Well, that was in twenty twenty-one. That's true. They they also spend a lot on those films. So they do. Well, I think I saw the uh, budget for Avengers Endgame was like four hundred million or something bananas. But good news, they made like six billion. Off yeah, when of you it. when you when you rake in a billion, I think you're willing to do that. Speaking of get what you pay for, August thirty first, we've talked about Major League Smashers before on this show, whether it be McGuire, Sosa, Albert Bell, Palmero, Schmidt, he's smashing or- children with a. Fucking golf, golf cart. cart yeah and also being a big mad man on that twitter thing you sent me the day four five foot two fernando Pena. <laughs> mike schmidt or so on this story is a little bit different as we have two different teams the yankees and the twins both hit over 300 home runs as a team in one season here's the interesting part i didn't know about the twins at all until i researched this and outside of miguel sano i can't name you one player on that team kirby so, puckett no, 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 no. He was a twin. He was long dead here in 2019. So let's step up to the plate here. The Twins actually beat the Yankees in season home runs, 307 to 306. And the third place team was the Astros, who hit 288. Well, they As had a far- trash can. Yeah. Actually, yes, this, that was this year, yeah. Ding, 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 ding. They were doing, uh, what was, was that? I think it was 2017. What was that stupid... Uh, on Broadway musical, they used to be they're just smashing garbage cans together. What was that? Uh, sm- oh, um, the Blue Man Group. N- noise or Smash or whatever it was called. Axe and Smash. Axe and Smash. Yes. <laughs> as far as our teams, the Cubs were sixth with 256. The Reds were 14th with 226. And the Rays were 21st with 217. The Marlins, if you were curious, were dead last at 146. The Twins actually had five players over 30 home runs that year, and Nelson Cruz had 41. Catcher Mitch Garber had 31. Third baseman Miguel Sano had 34. Left fielder Eddie Rosario had 32. Right fielder Max Kepler had 36. And, of course, the DH, Nelson Cruz, had 41. The Mighty Red slugged one homer more than the league average that year, which I would say makes them... Above average. By definition, yes. Yeah. Baseball stats shows their top 12 players that year. With exception of Joey Votto and Nick Senzel, they're all gone to other teams, so they're in different hats. It made me sad. I'm actually uh, I'm, I'm actually impressed you guys have kept Nick Senzel. It's okay. He's trash. We're getting ready to get rid of him. <laughs> if, if anyone will take him. Please take Nick Senzel. Please. They were led that year by Seattle Mariners legend A. Eugenio Suarez with 49. By the way, they hit 227. So he was like 40% of their home runs. The next closest was Yasiel Puig, who was on his last leg. He hit 22. I forgot he played for Cincinnati. So did he. (laughs) Philly's most recent no-hitter was pitched by Michael Lorenzen. And he also had a homer for the Reds this year as a relief pitcher, which he was actually down from the four he hit in 2018. He was a hell of a hitter at one point. Wow. Boy, TJ, not much happening here in 2019, huh? 
No, unfortunately, most of the stories that were listed were all sad. So I. So um, Reds home run statistics in 2019 also sad. Yeah. Um, there's so, a great, there's a great clip you guys need to. I, I Timmy, you especially should go watch this. It was the Atlanta Atlanta Braves were playing somebody. I think it was the Mets, and it was like 1986 or 85. And they they have a relief pitcher called Rick Camp. And it was like the 19th inning. And most of the fans are gone because they're like, my God, this has been six hours. And the game is tied. And Rick Camp is not up there as a pitcher. He They actually sent him up there to pinch hit. And the first thing the announcer says is if Rick Camp hits a – no, they were down by one. If he, if he hits a game-tying home run, this is officially the craziest game of all time. And on a 2-2 Boom! count, Rick Camp hit – a home run to left center. The uh, I think the one and only home run of his career. So that means it's my turn. Well, hold on before you get all antsy and you're pantsy. I want I want to get some. Not only this is easily becoming my favorite story in baseball history. Oh, not only did Rick Camp, it was an 0-2 count. He had to get off Tom Gorman of the Mets. He hit it on July fourth, nineteen eighty five. He's a patriotic American hitting an 18th inning home run. You're a douche. What did you say now? Is it my turn? That means it's my turn. Mm. Let's go to Timmy's Trivioki. Figaro. Figaro, 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 Figaro. That's not Tosca. Ugh, my ears. My back. Yep, yeah, I remember. Everyone remembers when Elvis performed that. You make a move, I wanna take I am not excited about this week's songs. I mean, I like these songs, but these songs are 2019. TJ, when was the last time you listened to the radio? Uh, like 2008. Oh, this ought to be fun then. <laughs> By the way, two of these are country songs. Oh, well, I, I was a country DJ, but I, I quit in 2017, so this ought to be good. Oh, this ain't going to be good. All right, song number one. Clue number one. This was first included on the artist's 2016 EP, The Way I Talk, and was released as the third single from his 2018 studio album, if I know me. Okay. It's definitely a country song. No? The music video for this song was directed by <laughs> Justin Clough and premiered in October of 2018. In it, Morgan Wallen is showing or is shown trying to mend his broken heart with drinking after his girlfriend dumps him before eventually migrating to a bar with his friends, including the artist Hardy and giving him a live performance of the song. I, I I have the words in my head. Oh, damn it. Clue number three. This song is about a stronger version of beer goggles. Whiskey dick. Oh. Don't want to think about 
Ain't got it. Ain't wearing that. Don't want to hit the karaoke bar. Here's the matter. Make them drink. This isn't the song I was thinking of. If I'm ever going to move on, I'm going to need some whiskey glasses. Whiskey glasses. Okay. She's the truth. She's probably thinking out on a couch right now with someone new. I'm going to need some whiskey glasses. This is not as fun without Dave. I know. Off and, I'm sorry. But see, the, the song I was thinking of was the one where, like, his ex shows up at the bar and he just starts you're drinking. You're thinking of la- last night. Yep, last, last night. Last night. We, yeah. Yeah, that's okay. the one I was thinking of. That's By the way, bad. he shaved his head and his beard, and it looks you, weird. You should not do that. You can't go from a mullet to a shaved. Oh, well, I guess you can. But I, I kept my beard. Okay. I have standards. Song number two, clue number one. This song has been widely widely labeled as, quote, country rap, a genre that had not often reached the mainstream prior to its release. I think I know what it is, but I don't, I, I don't, I think it might be too early. Clue number two, the song initially gained popularity on social video sharing app TikTok. And eventually entered the Billboard charts in March 2019. What was the name of that song? It's Lil, uh, Lil Nas X, right? Clue number yeah. three. Lil um, Nas X also recorded a remix, which is what we're talking about here, with American country singer Billy Ray Cyrus, which was released April 5th, 2019. Which was really much better than it really had any business being. Um, damn it. I cannot remember the name of that song. Take my horse to the old town road. Old town road. See, I should get a half a po- point just for knowing Lil Nas. Take my horse to the old town road. I'm gonna ride till it can't no more. Is that Billy Ray Cyrus? That was Billy Ray Cyrus. This is not Billy Ray Cyrus. This is Lil Nas X. See, this is this is another summer when it came out. The, so many people were angry when it came out, and I didn't. I never understood why. Why? Probably because they gave Billy Ray Cyrus a job. I mean, there's that. All right, let's go to the third country song tonight. And he still looks like it's from like it's 1992. <laughs> His song was the Shiznit. It's okay. Thank you All right. Word. Song number three, clue number one. This song. Is a song co-written and recorded by American country music singer Luke Combs. Okay. It is Combs' sixth, sixth, sixth single released to country radio at the first from his second album, What You See Is What You Get on Columbia Records, Nashville. You're so no, not getting this. No one's going to get it after that clue. No. Clue two. Taste of Country wrote it. Of the song's lyrical theme, quote, he sings about everything else in life that can be hurt by a person, but ultimately comes to the conclusion that beer is the only safe bet. I agree. I mean, I mean, amen. Amen. Clue <laughs> number three, Rolling Stone reporter Robert Crawford described the song as, quote, a country hit for the digital streaming generation with just enough genre-causing charm to rope in the city slickers. Yeehaw. Yeehaw. <laughs> bang, bang. Stephen Thomas Erlewine, writing for All Music, described the song as, quote, 
a clever drinking anthem. That's not a real person. Um, I don't know. Ice cold beer never broke my heart. Like a diamond ring, the football team torn this ball apart. I do know that song. See, this is this is what sucks. And we I I've said this since the beginning of the show. You give me the clues, I've got no idea. As soon as I hear it, I'm like, oh yeah. It's that one. Yeah. well, I knew. You would know them once I gave them to you, but yeah. it's part of it's it's kind of like it's literally the game, TJ. I know. But to be fair, Dave wouldn't have gotten any of them either. I think he he definitely would have got the last one. No, he wouldn't have. He That's a boat song. Country. That's a boat song for him. That's not a boat song. You don't think so? Uh, okay. Well, um this show was much it's better. It's also not a boat one. song. It was much better than a boat song. To my surprise, AEW All Out, uh, August 31st, 2019 is the date. We're in the now arena in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. Actually, at that point, it was the Sears Center Arena. Sears Center Arena, but now it's the now arena. Attendance is 10,500. Your buy rate was 101,000. It was actually 10,501. I was there. You were there. I was not. Your announcers, Jim Ross, Excalibur, and some guy named Golden Boy. And he was trash. And he was, well, actually, there was really only one announcer on the show that was not trash. More on that here, well, right now. We start the show with a very good video package. Then we get the announced team welcoming us to the show. And uh, full disclosure, I will always despise Excalibur as a human being for the stuff he has said and done in independent promotions. And yet, and go, by the way, if you don't know what I'm talking about, go Google that shit. And by the way, we he's allowed to talk on TV every week, but we're not allowed to have the Briscoes on television until one of them died. That seems right. Hmm. It may have been the fact that I'm extra critical on Excalibur, but I thought he was awful here in the beginning, constantly falling all over himself and needing JR to pick him up. Because he had a mask on. Well, yeah, and he, he was struggling bad. And who is this golden boy guy? Isn't the isn't the guy isn't that the guy that put backstage now? What's his what well, I can't think of what his name is, but I think he's now the backstage interviewer. I don't know. I I have no idea. Before we start the show, I'd like to point out that according to the observer, this show got eighty and yes, we do have star ratings for every one of these matches. This Yay. show got eighty seven point eight percent thumbs up and twelve point two percent thumbs down or thumbs in the middle. So if you're doing the math, that means it got zero votes for thumbs down. Come on. This show was okay. It wasn't, I mean, it was good. It was a good show, but zero thumbs down. Well, apparently, the Observer newsreaders are just much more lenient now than they were back in the day. Because in the same newsletter, NXT UK TakeOver also got no thumb down votes. And at New Japan Royal Quest got one vote for thumbs down. How many how many votes for thumbs down to WrestleMania 17 get? That, ooh. You know what? Uh, you do your opening. I'm gonna look that up. Well, this wasn't a bad opening. I mean, it, it good good package. Um thank you. Good good view as we come in of my close oh, personal you, friend Mike Dawkins and Dave Silva. 
Yeah, I did like uh, that. I did like that. <laughs> that was the best part of it. I'm like, those assholes. And actually, I was sitting in the arena night that night going, those assholes. Hmm. And I think that the Cody Rhodes documentary that they did with WWE should have been how he came all the way from the mid card at AEW to the main event at WrestleMania. To hell with coming in on top of WWE. That ain't a journey. Mid-card at AEW to main event of WrestleMania is a journey. That's correct. Why can I not find the newsletters? We're gonna we'll find that out before the show's over. All right, here we go. Match one. SCU takes on the Jurassic Express. This is a six-man tag match for the record. And this is Jungle Boy, Luchasaurus, and Marco Stunt. How fast did that guy vanish off the face of the earth? Against Christopher Daniels, Kazarian, and Scorpio Sky. The story of the match is the youth and exuberance of the Jurassic Express against the experience and guile of SCU. Not a bad match. Luchasaurus may have been the most over person in this match by a lot. SCU eventually gets to win, and after the match, they all shake hands and hug, and I could have done without that part, but uh, four stars this match got. Four stars. Four stars is a lot. Four stars. Hey, remember when Marco Stunt was a thing? Yeah, it was here. I, I can't believe he's a thing that would ever be in a four-star match, but okay. This show. J, JR says that Kazarian's best days in the ring are ahead of him. JR has been smoking dope before this match. Mm-hmm. Kazarian was like 42 here. Oh, he was older than that. Luchasaurus, amazingly, is a huge talent. Move Like, he's big. He moves. Love him. I loved him in NXT. I don't know why he left. He's just now getting used right as just a mean bastard. But why he would ever tag out of the ring and tag Marco Stunt in is beyond me. That that seems counterproductive. Just saying. I'll tell you what. If if Marco Stunt were to put on 100 pounds, he would be... Taz. 140 he, pounds. He he would be Taz if he put on 100 pounds. That's that's rude. Five foot nothing and and 300 pounds. Okay. Yep. Match two. Pac makes his AEW in ring debut against Kenny Omega, and anyone who's no, who's known me for any extended extended time knows I am not a big fan of Kenny Omega. But this well, he match doesn't was, wear children, so that I mean. I mean, well, I mean, he's done a lot of stuff that I think is it's just absolutely stupid. But uh, this match was much better than I anticipated, and I loved the finish. I loved the finish. It was good. A few too many false finishes, but that's, I mean, that's a minor complaint in this match. They went like 25 minutes. These two went out and had a hard-hitting, high-flying match. But after about 16 V-triggers, a Snapdragon suplex, Omega goes for the one-winged angel for the third or fourth time when Pac reverses it into the Brutalizer. I didn't know what the name of that move was, but Excalibur kept screaming it at us to make sure we knew what the name was. The match ends with a ref stoppage due to Omega not being able to defend himself. If only they would have done something with Pac after this match. Four and a quarter stars. So, you were like, this was a good match, and then you started talking about 16 V-triggers. That was the one I didn't like. I feel the, like, the, yeah, okay. The, the false finishes was the only I didn't care for. Well, I thought they were talking about respect, and I was like, yes, Pac still looking for respect after leaving WWE, the largest promotion in the world. I, I could see that, yeah. Sure. 
Yeah. Look for your respect there. And they talk about the awards that Kenny has won. He's won my award for lifetime achievement. Most overrated wrestler ever. And easy there, Pac. You almost took out a national treasure, Dave Silva, when you hit that guardrail. Knocked him back. I was concerned. Don't like it. And we don't have countouts here in AEW. They were outside for like a minute and a half. Both of them. Not stopping the count like you should. Just they're outside punching each other for a minute and a half. And it, when Omega does the drop kick off the top rope, it looks like he should have won the award for the most dangerous wrestler of the year because I thought he was going to freaking kill Pac or Pac, whatever. And By the way, I, I do want to mention that Chris Benoit and Kurt Angle from WrestleMania 17, four and a quarter stars. SCU, SCU and Lucha, the Jurassic Stop Express it. have four. Stop it. What are we doing? And I agree, TJ. That thing turned into a V-trigger party. Not a super kick party, but very close. And the fans' reaction when Pac wins is absolutely priceless because they're all freaking marks. Oh, Kenny Omega lost! Oh, no, Kenny Omega lost! Piss me. Yeah. It's pretty bad when... I Well, for one, they just did... I mean, Pac had just debuted, so... I mean, he was clearly the, the, the heel here. But when they Pac were doing, Pack was supposed to be at Double or Nothing, yeah, but didn't come because he didn't like the creative on it. Gee, I feel like we've heard that somewhere before, with um some sort of American Nightmare mm. that had a personal issue. That okay, uh, yeah, that does sound familiar. Does sound familiar. Match three, uh, you and I talked about this before we went on the air. This match. Did not belong on this show. I thought this match Any dragged show. the showdown. This this just dragged the showdown. Match three: Joey Janela, Jimmy Havoc, and Darby Allen beat each other half to death in a Cracker Barrel five hundred. Cha- I don't know what this match was called. I understand there are some people I who think liked- he met in a NASCAR race. I did. <laughs> it would have been better it if they had just raced around the ring. I understand there are people who like this stuff. No, but this aren't. this shit does not belong on pay-per-view. It just doesn't. Thumbtacks and Havoc's mouth, a stapler, paper cuts in between fingers. This is all Jimmy Havoc bullshit. This has turned into jackass. I'm not taking away from the contestants' toughness or anything like that, but this is just will. Not, Okay. I could whip Jimmy Havoc's ass. I probably could too, but it's all none of this is necessary. Call me old-fashioned. Janela pulls a tennis racket from under the ring before not using it. And Excalibur had to say, a tennis racket, who on earth would use that? Now, oh, if you're, we're funny. This is, of course, a reference to Jim Cornette. And they say he's irrelevant and he's out of touch. But if you reference him on pay-per-view, not only is he relevant because you just made him relevant, it's also apparent his attempts to get under people's skin is working. Stupid on your part. Quit acknowledging him if you don't want to acknowledge that his what he says bothers you. Janela did a backflip off the top rope to the floor, and no one was in 15 feet of him as he just crashes onto the ramp. Allen puts the barrel on his back and goes for the coffin drop, but again, no one's in the frame when he lands. Good news is that barrel didn't have a bottom to it, so it didn't hurt as it's true. Much. 
Havoc hits an acid rainmaker on a barrel for the win. This match got four stars, which is a joke. Great. Jimmy Havoc. He's not a fan of mine. He didn't like me at all. Little, and by the way, real shame. I don't like him. He's a piece of shit. Yeah, he can go lick toads somewhere. I mean, not only is like he a molester and all that, but it terrible human being originally. Jimmy Havoc makes Darby Allen look like a catch as catch can wrestler, by the way. Staple guns. What an asshole. Yes. He stapled Joey, himself, by the way. Although I will say Joey Janela seems to be on the comeback from Florida. Pay attention to Starcast. Okay. He might be a Florida man. I don't know. Kind of looks like him. And how the hell does Cracker Barrel sponsor this shit? Like, I can't see them being in the boardroom at Cracker Barrel going, so here's what we're going to do. He's going to pull the staple gun out. He's going to staple it to his forehead. And then the guy's going to get the actual barrel and drop back. What? JR literally cannot hide his lack of enthusiasm. Oh, he was just straight shit on this match in several parts. A quote, a quote from him from this match. I've seen a brain buster on a on a chair before, and that's one of them. Really? Okay, you're selling that good. And then they talk about Cracker Barrel's biscuits. First off, Cracker Barrel's biscuits are not fluffy. You could kill someone with them. Second, a foil pan doesn't hurt if you hit someone with it. And third. The best biscuits in the world are at the Nashville Biscuit House. So many misnomers here. But JR literally hates this match. Like a lot. It, by the end, his disgust is just bleh. in I, in re, in retrospect, this booking choice may not have been the best. Why would you not put Darby Allen over? Why the fuck would you put Jimmy Havoc over? And unfortunately for AEW, I think it was right after this when Jimmy Havoc got busted as being a cretin. So I could have I, told you that beforehand. Th this, I think this is one of his last appearances. I think he had one more. I think, yeah, I think he had one more. Yeah, you're right. And by the way, Jimmy Havoc, just for you. Eat. Li Ligma. Eat the entire bag of dicks. So match four, the best friends take on the Dark Order. We have a tag team title tournament, and the winner of this match gets a first round bye in said tournament. Jim Ross is taking some not so slight jabs at both parties of this match and at Excalibur, specifically Excalibur knowing the name of every single move that's ever been done. <laughs> he is, and I loved every minute of it. We've already heard Tiger Driver 98 and Ace Crusher, and Jim Ross actually said, I will start a petition to make sure we never hear Ace Crusher ever again. <laughs> Not a terrible tag match, but not a good one either. Dark Order gets the win after a fatality with help on the outside from the Creepers. That is a real sentence I just said. <laughs> As the Dark Order is carrying the carcasses of the best friends out, the lights go out, and when they come back on, Orange Cassidy's in the ring. He does the die with the hands in his pockets, and for the life of me, I will never understand this gimmick or his appeal. Two and three-quarter stars. Well, first off, he is charismatic, so I get the appeal. But come on, man. You, 
you grow out of certain gimmicks. Chuck Taylor of the best friends, the pride of Murray, Kentucky. Much love. And is Dave actually evil Uno? He's not here tonight. I mean, maybe, maybe he, they have the same body. It's a very basic tag match. I thought Orange Cassidy was a nice touch because it at least got rid of the stupid Undertaker vibes. Oh, I'm still trying to figure out what, what the reader poll for Rosemary 17 was. I match- guarantee there was a negative vote for it. Oh, I guarantee it. Match five, Hikaru Shuya takes on Riho to determine the number one contender for the AEW women's title. Instead of Night of Champions, AEW should do Night of Contenders. This match was pretty decent. At one point, Sheeta gets a submission hold on Rio, and even though Rio gets a rope break, Sheeta is allowed to pull her away from the ropes to continue the hold. The hold. JR implores that Sheeta has to release the hold, and the other announcers just ignore him and keep talking like he didn't say anything. <laughs> the match continues with some hard-hitting action and some high-impact spots. When Rio gets a backstack pin for the win, afterwards Nyla Rose comes out and stares down Rio from the stage. Three stars. I really enjoy they're bringing back the 1990s Reds for this match, and just like in 1990, I think Rio's going to go over. If only there was a Sabo. By the way, at Starcast Three, this that was the week weekend of this event. I was in charge of the room that these two were doing their meet and greet in. They just walked off. Oh, nice. <laughs> People, I'm like, hey! And, and it was, I mean, they're not bad people, but they, it was like a language barrier thing, and they just like, like, oh, no one's here, I'm leaving. And then, like, they came back, and I'm like, hey, big lines. Very nice ladies, though. I like them a lot. Now we get a video package recapping the events leading up to Cody versus Sean Spears tonight. Decent video, but when you think about what has happened with Sean Spears, it's pretty disappointing. Correct. Match six. Sean Spears with Tully Blanchard takes on Cody Rhodes with MJF. Spears' entrance is entirely too slow and entirely too dramatic. Also, why does he have colored contacts in? Was it Glacier? <laughs> then here comes DDP, Brandy, MJF, and Pharaoh as Dressed Cody as to Star Trek. Yes. Why is this so theatrical? They brawl into the crowd before the match even starts. Eventually, they come back and start the match. The whole buildup of the match is Dusty and Tully and their rivalry, according to the announcers. They don't say a thing about Sean Spears. So that lets you know how they really, really felt about Sean Spears. Yeah. There's a lot of Gaga in this match, including a double-A run-in and spine buster. After that, Cody threatens to use the chair but doesn't. Hits a disaster kick. A flip-flop and fly, and then the crossroads for the win. Beats Spears just flat in the middle with his finish. So much for that threat. Four stars. Well, he was running the company. Spears' entrance here? Meh. I I was like, why is he sitting there so long? Yeah, I mean, I. what are we doing? But I will tell you that the first half of the show had one guy who had time in WWE and this match has two. Mm-hmm. The feeling is just different for these guys. They were raised in WWE. They know how to build drama. Yes. 
JR mentioned that MJF would rather be in tights here. I also would have rather seen MJF wrestle than just be Cody second. Correct. This match does feel bigger in the way they're working it. Seems bigger because they're selling. Hey, guess what? That shit works. Oh, well, you're not going to see it much more, so. Well, I will. I just got to watch WWE. Mm. I'm in on this show. So the commentator that's not JR, the mask guy, whoever he is, says they aren't as a man of integrity right after the spine buster of Sean Spears. Says Arn is a man of integrity right after he rolled cheated. into the ring and spine buster. That's a man of integrity. He just, he cheated. just ran out there and cheated. Cool. I will say, though, masterful job for every person involved in this match. They did great. They did. It also realized, made me realize that I can't wait for MJF to come to WWE because they're going to use him properly. I I still believe that I would be stunned if he stays. I would be very stunned. Now we get a video package for the feud between the Bucks and the Lucha Brothers as we get ready for their ladder match or whatever they called it, I don't remember, for the AAA tag titles. This video was a weird way to try to build a matchup, and it includes Nick Jackson asking if the Lucha Brothers have big balls. Huevos. No, he said balls. I have big balls, do you, is what he said. Yeah, well, the other brother, the dumber brother said huevos. This whole video was dumb. Mm-hmm. <laughs> match seven, you guessing of dumb? The Lucha Brothers take on the Young Bucks. I believe the Young Bucks have taken on the Lucha Brothers in every AEW pay-per-view so far. I think that I to to date at this, they had. Yeah. This was a pretty good ladder match, although incredibly dangerous unnecessarily in a lot of spots. Correct. Matt Jackson was almost beheaded after being on the ladder, getting pushed off the ladder and out of the ring. But as he was falling, his feet hit the top rope and he went head first through the table onto the floor. That's too bad. Ten, se- ten seconds after that, Nick Jackson's pushed off the ladder after he took Pence's mask off. The ladder falls faster than Nick then. He was folded up inside the ladder. Also too bad. What are we doing? Eventually, the Lucha Brothers get the win and retain after the match. Santana, Santana and Ortiz debut attacking both teams this got five and a quarter stars you're getting five and a quarter stars bro that's what they're doing damn i feel like this match is going to be okay leading in just okay just okay you might get thrown out of the arena for that but just okay (laughs) and i really think the reason i don't get into these matches as much as the other matches is because they're just too choreographed the violence level is great, but I don't need all the choreographed bullshit. There should not be two moves happening on the opposite side of the ring at the same side. Well, that happened like four different times. You'd have one buck and one lucha bro. Yeah. Doing moves at the same time to the other one. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to throw that asshole off the ladder and run to the other side to try to save my brother. Done. No, I want to, hey, I can make mine look better. My pile driver into the bottom of this ladder is going to look better. Whatever. (laughs) Up next is a video package showing the debut of the AEW world title that Bret Hart presented, which I forgot happened. 
Then we get some profile footage of both combatants. If this Adam Page had existed the entire time, he might be something as opposed to the elite sidekick. TJ, you're so wrong. I love this memory of Bret Hart bringing the belt out because shortly after there, he walked to the back and just kept walking, walked off the stage, took a header. I remember that. I do remember that too. I watched it in person and was like, oh shit, Bret Hart might have just killed himself. I think Bret Hart's dead. <laughs> I think we actually tweeted that for about three hours. Bret Hart might be dead. Main event, Chris Jericho takes on Adam Page to crown the first AEW champion. This was a very, very good match, and who can be surprised by that with the veteran Chris Jericho leading the way? The wily vet against the young stallion and Adam Page. They had the audience just as much as anyone else had him in this show, and there were no dangerous spots or car crashes. It was just a good match. Good story. By the way, Adam Adam Page underrated. I just want to throw that in. He just needs to quit running his mouth on live promos and then. Oh, yeah. Well, you're a CM Punk, Mark. So No, I'm, I'm, I, I've told you several times. They were both wrong in that one. I'm not, I'm not a. Yes, I like CM Punk. I'm not a goof. I understand when people are being dicks. Eventually, we get to the end of the match with the attempted finishers being exchanged and even had Chris Jericho get busted open by an elbow shot. Page starts closing in when Jericho hits the Judas out of nowhere to win the match and become the first ever AEW champion. This was also the first match on the card, I believe, that didn't have interference or a post-match angle, which made it more impactful, in my opinion. Four stars. Only four, though. Only four. Yeah, there's 0% chance this was not as good or better than the Young Bucks and Lucha Brothers, for the record. You know what I thought was weird? When I, when I was watching this, Jericho came into Judas, but everyone wasn't singing along. This was before that phenomenon. Like I was like, "Oh, that's weird. They're not they're not like feeding him." Yes, I I was also worded that by them. I also thought it was a good thing Aubrey kept the match not about her for once. But I don't ever remember a ref giving instructions before a wrestling match on the house PA. Oh, once. Hebner at WrestleMania 12. Okay. That's the only other one I remember. But, but that was an out-of-the-ordinary match. It yes. wasn't like just a regular pinfalls count match. Yeah. Okay. Uh, You're right. uh, glad she can keep it about her. <laughs> Hold on. I have something to say. <laughs> it is also very rude that Adam Page is down outside the ring. And my favorite lawyer, Mike Dawkins, and the worst Shivani child, Matt, Mm. Or making fun of him. I, I'm going to have a word with him. Mm. Overall, this show, not bad. It seems AEW has declined as they've gone along. Because I was into this. Like, it was a four-hour show. And you know how I feel yeah. about time. But when I was watching, I was like, no, this is good. I, I'm, I enjoyed it. Again, if... if- what has happened... If that Cracker Barrel horseshit wasn't shoved into the middle of this card, I mean, it it might be one of the better pay-per-views of the last decade. But again, and, and listen, you might like that sort of thing, and that's fine. But when you also have Jericho and, and, and Paige for the world title on the show, and you have uh, Cody Rhodes and Sean Spears, that they're a good match. Hey, you had Moxley in the down. promotion and didn't use him. That's how good this pay-per-view was. Yeah. 
but when you do, when you have those sorts of matches, those sorts of stories, and then you throw in Jimmy Havoc giving people paper cuts, it drags the show down. Yeah. Because no one wants that shit. Right. Also, I did just find the Observer Reader poll for <laughs> WrestleMania X7. Are you ready? Yes. 588 uh, votes for thumbs up. That's 99%. There was zero votes for in the middle. Ah! There were six votes for thumbs down for 1% on the dot. Six people didn't like WrestleMania 17. But zero people didn't like this. Right. Or NXT UK TakeOver terrible which I, i'd have to see that card i don't even remember what that was on that show but you know what we're gonna watch next week we're gonna go back in time and i can't wait but if you enjoyed this week's episode please let us know give us that five-star review wherever you get this podcast make sure to follow the show on twitter at ff podcast on instagram at filter free podcast follow the network our patreon network at filter free net over the course follow premiere streaming network at watch on premiere as for us you can find us all well the both of us on our social media platforms timmy c at dave in the rc timmy c oh oh at timmy c 1979 and i am at t stevens 91 next week we're going back into our wheelhouse we're going to cover wwf primetime wrestling from august of 1991 hedy lamar gets busted Headley Titanic. What? Headley Lamar. It's Heady. No, it's Heady, but it's Heady. If you, um, all right, homework for your week watch Blazing Saddles. I watch Blazing Saddles. Headley Lamar. Okay. Gary Oldman gets a Dewey and so much more. This has been the Filter Free Podcast and so long for now. I didn't prepare a dad joke because Dave's not here. Whiskey glasses. Why is it taking so long to do? Don't wanna hit the karaoke bar cause so make them drink strong. We're not good at this. I think we should we're the end of this show is just falling apart without Dave. Terrible. It was I supposed think, to be MTV with or Eminem without me. I think we should Terrible. just send I think we should just go home. We'll go home. Okay. <laughs>